Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome aboard, everybody, to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Today, coming to you from Soldatna down on the Kenai Peninsula, one of my favorite places in the world. And I was telling our guest, Tuckerman Babcock, that when you're here on the Kenai Peninsula, it's kind of easy to forget that the rest of the world is really falling apart out there. The rest of America is, there's a lot of America that's pretty messed up. But here on the Kenai, it just feels like Life is good. Life's pretty normal. And I'm, I'm really uh, excited to be here and had a great weekend here. It was sunny weather, breezy, kept mosquitoes down. And we had quite an election weekend also. And I was happy to be here with Tuckerman Babcock for that because we chatted late into the night about the different election results that we saw for this congressional race. But first of all, John Quick, my co-host, is also back from Hawaii. And uh, I see that you got a little bit of a sunburn there, but you're otherwise unharmed. <laughs> Living the dream here. Can't complain. Uh, good to be back from Hawaii. Love Alaska. And uh, looking forward to uh, family's going to do some RVing around Alaska. So looking forward to that. Very excited that we have Tuckerman on the show today. One of my favorite people, uh, a guy that's always in my corner no matter what. And I really appreciate him. Sure, sure. And so, okay, so let's let's just turn to Tuckerman and say, you know, Tuckerman, let's just say it out loud. You got a cold this morning, so you're a little bit abnormally gravelly. I see behind you on our Facebook feed that you have all your swords ready to go. So you're ready to do battle with whatever <laughs> might hit you, except for the cold microbe. <laughs> quite true, quite true. So right. my voice is a little off, that's why. Yeah, sound a little bit like Santa Claus this morning. Uh, speaking of which, um, we let's talk about the election today uh, that happened over the weekend. Fascinating results. We we all know that Sarah Palin is now sort of got thirty percent of the vote. Nick Begich has nineteen percent. Between the two of them, they have forty nine percent of the total vote for this very special primary election, which is only to replace. The, our deceased congressman, Don Young, until our next congressperson can be sworn in in January. So it's a very temporary seat. And yet it's a very important seat because if you win this seat, you're really set up well to uh, to run for the permanent seat because you'll only have to go back to Washington for, for what, two weeks? They're going to be in session for two weeks and then they gavel out and they're out for all of October. So you can you can uh, campaign all you like and get that, that to your seat. Uh, but Let's uh, let's hear what you have to say about just your your high level thoughts about what happened on Saturday night. Well, I think the election results showed you know, a big base of support for Sarah Palin, especially down here on the Kenai and up in the Matsu borough. And it also showed some surprisingly strong support for Nick Begich, who he got 19 percent overall in the state, but he actually carried a half a dozen districts in Anchorage. And Eagle River had the most votes, and the two of them together have about 50% of the total vote. So at this point, I'd say it's uh, Nick Begich and Sarah Palin around the post, and Al Gross, who's of course the $40 million name ID, he 
dribbled in at 13%. So he's, I don't see that he's going to get any more votes. So it's really Mary Peltola and the Democrats, if they coalesce, I expect Mary Peltola's campaign, if she can continue to stay ahead of Sarah, Tara Sweeney, they're still pretty close, four or 500 votes. And I think, Suzanne, you told me there are about 30,000 left to count. Yes, I, I believe that we are really at, um, hold on, let me just turn off my phone. Sorry about that, folks. I've got my, and, and John, you're supposed to remind me to take off my phone during our show. Uh, so so we're, we're at about 54.4% uh, of the vote has been tabulated that we expect. So we're, there's still some game to go. And, and we looked at that chart and, and some of the districts are already done. So for instance, we talked about district 39 and 40 where there weren't very many people voting to begin with. And then if you take a look at how many votes are left to tabulate from those that they have at hand at the division of elections is not very many. So you might've seen that chart that, uh, that I posted, or I, I may have sent it, sent it to you. Some districts like district 28 has a, have a lot of votes yet to count over, you know, over 1200 votes yet to count, but uh, for, uh, for those they have in hand. And then there will be some that dribble in at Tuckerman. There'll be some, another count on Wednesday, another count on the 17th and, and then on the 21st. So there'll still be some ballots to come in. Well, let's not count uh, Tara Sweeney out then. She could still come from behind and knock Barry Peltola out from the fourth place. And as you know, in this bizarre new system we have, uh, four candidates of whatever party who are the top vote getters out of 48 go forward. And then on August 16th, there'll be election <coughs> for the temporary seat. And you'll rank those four plus any write-in that files. So you can vote up to five times. It's just a, the weirdest system I've ever come across. And if I get elected to the state Senate, I'll certainly be working on trying to repeal this bizarre ranked choice system. But yeah, right. uh, if, if Tara Sweeney wins the fourth spot, she also spent a tremendous amount of money, um, probably more money per vote than any, any other candidate. And I would assume that money would continue to come in. And so she would be battling with uh, Al Gross to see who came in fourth in the election in August. Now, if anybody hits 50%, then they, they win in August. But but at this point, it doesn't look like anyone's even close to 50%. So it's going to be a true ranked choice result. Right. It'll be, so can you see Sarah Palin hitting 50% in August? Uh, well, it all depends on the dynamics of the, the messaging that goes out. It's uh, I think when you look at the result from the primary and you see 62, 64%, voted Republican, uh, that's a very, that's much stronger than normal. Normally in our primaries, 52 to 54%, sometimes 56% will vote Republican in the primary. And I don't know that I've ever seen a, a 62, 64% Republican vote in the primary. So something's going on out there. And I don't, I think under no circumstances, can you add up the votes to say a Democrat's going to go to Washington? Right. Well, that so if Mary Peltola stays in that fourth uh, slot, then I would presume that the um, the Democratic Party, the DNC or the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, would not really want to invest too heavily in this seat because of the of these early results. They'd look at that and say, my goodness, is this where we've got battles to fight? Doesn't look like we're going to be able to, to fight that one. 
On the other hand, Sarah Palin is she strikes fear into the heart of Democrats, and maybe they will try to prevent her from from winning because of that. They might. There, they've got a lot of decisions to make over there, and a lot of. I'd like to congratulate Mary Peltola because the Democrats first united behind Christopher Constant from Anchorage, and he did so badly, so poorly, he didn't even carry his home district in downtown Anchorage. No, Al Gross won that. <laughs> and uh, Al Gross won in Juneau. The problem for Al Gross is that he'd already spent two years ago $40 million on name ID around the state. For him to only get 13%, you know, Sarah Palin didn't spend anything two years ago, and she got 30%. So that's those. And they both have universal name ID. So you look at that and you go, Al Gross is just not a strong candidate. Mary Peltola, my prediction is that she's going to stay in and she's going to overcome Al Gross, and he's going to be the first one eliminated. So that's interesting. So, so in in the in the race for Congress for for Senate two years ago, when he ran against um, Senator Sullivan, how many do we know how many votes he got? Do you remember that? I think it was around forty-one, forty-two percent. Yeah. So, so, so he. He's known well. I mean, 40, I think it was like 140,000 votes that he got, 149,000 votes that he got. And he has spent a lot of money and he was the Democrats nominee. This time they're savaging him. They're calling him a loser. I mean, they use the word loser. That's so funny. It's such a Trumpian word for the Democrats to use. But they called him a loser and they don't like him and they're really disparaging him. But in fact, he there are 140,000 votes out there that he he has the names of the people who who supported him. He has their email addresses. He's True. got you know he he knows who donated to him and signed signed um, uh, endorsements for him. So he knows how to reach those people because in fact that came that campaign is barely cold. So he can rev up his campaign again, but he doesn't have the support of the big infrastructure that he had last time. He has to do it without party infrastructure. So, uh, so, but at the same time, that explains why he got the votes he got. Yet, I kind of think that he's at a ceiling a little bit, especially with the Democrats just savaging him. And then now they originally supported Chris Constant, and then they reluctantly supported Mary Peltola. I mean, it, it was kind of shameful, but at first they would only mention Chris Constant on their website. And then later on, they mentioned her because she was the other Democrat. And of course, we saw that Chris Constant did even worse than Santa Claus. And it was just a, a sort of a pitiful, pitiful showing. And we know that he never intended to win. He just intended to collect money that he could donate to the Democratic Party. And then that money eventually will make its way to whichever nominee, probably Peltola is my my guess i don't think oh, he ever i don't think he ever intended to win because he, he didn't remember remember talking about he he raised money but he didn't spend the money oh no well, you're following it more closely my my attention is just on where the votes are coming from yes I and, and i think one of the things that that we've missed so far is the vote for john cockhill and adam wool in fairbanks so overall they were in the low they're three percent two percent of the total vote but their vote was concentrated in the interior in Fairbanks. Yeah. Where people knew them. And those votes are now all up for grabs. They're so, at play. Right. So the area that had the least support overall for Baggage, Gross, and Palin as a total percentage is Fairbanks in the interior. So I expect all three of those candidates to zero their focus up there 
and see who's going to collect the Coghill Santa Claus and Adam Wool votes. Right. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Santa Claus did the best in his own home territory of House District Four, North Pole. Uh, and he, he was over eight percent in that area and then over um, he, over a little bit over seven percent in Fairbanks. So he's, he's well known up there and and he did actually fairly well overall statewide. He was four and a half percent, something like that. But in his own home territory, he did well. Now, he's the, he's a Bernie socialist. So those votes will go to you know Peltola if she stays in. If she well, does, I know you're you're fascinated, Suzanne, with his actual politics. But I my guess is it's just his name that got votes, not his politics. I suppose so. I you know <laughs> I, I I think so. That uh, that's so so those votes will probably go to. Uh, well, I don't know. They, some of them might go grabs. to. Some of them might even go to Palin. Santa Claus votes Absolutely. could go to Palin. She's kind of the Kim Kardashian of the of the Alaska political scene. So yeah, Santa Claus and, and our celebrity there. So yeah, could happen. So we're looking for looking at the question of turnout, which is always important. And this ridiculous all male ballot and which resulted in 60,000 ad ballots to bad addresses. And why those aren't cleaned up by the division of elections is a complete mystery to me. And they need to focus on getting the voter list, we shouldn't have, we can't have more than 100% of eligible 18-year-old plus people registered to vote. So it's Correct. obviously it's a corrupt list and it needs to be fixed. And that if they don't take that 60,000 plus bad addresses and use it to make a good voter list, they're just playing with fire with the integrity of the election process. And the other is the, the uh, turnout did not, was not hugely increased at all because of a mail-out ballot. The expense is increased, but not the turnout. And so it's more evidence that we should vote the, the traditional way in person at our polling places all on one day, get the result in one night, unless it's very close, then we'll get it by Friday. Instead of being the last state, two weeks to go by before we know who our temporary congressman is. And you can tell I'm a little frustrated with the expense and the waste of this whole thing. John, you had a question, I know. Oh, I was just going to say, it's an interesting, I think I've talked to a lot of folks that have voted for Sarah Palin that maybe haven't voted in other elections uh, in, in the recent past. And I think you have kind of like a tale of, I look at it just more of simple terms, not necessarily through the data lens. And you kind of have a tale of two cities, Nick Begich, who did everything right. And when it comes to, if you just look at an election that people that are involved in politics run, he went to every single district meeting to try to get their endorsements and showed up to all the district meetings regardless and did his spiel and toured all over Alaska, shook hands and kissed babies and just as an awesome person to begin with and and kind of did his dog and pony show all over Alaska. And then you have Sarah Palin who's like, I'm good. You know, I, <laughs> I you know, I don't think she, she went to maybe a couple of Republican official Republican meetings and that's about it. And the, people in the know of the Republican party, you know, not, none of them really wanted her to get any votes that I don't think there's not many people in the system in the party that necessarily like the way Palin has ran her campaign. But I think the thing that oftentimes we take, look, take for granted is the normal person in Alaska looks at Sarah Palin and is like, Trump likes her. She says cool stuff. And I like her a lot. And I think that that's not, I like her. I'm saying that's what people say. 
they I think the normal person in Alaska looks at that and thinks that that is a good thing that she says these one-liners that kind of pokes jabs at the big established Democrat party, the left, and she gets huge sound bites on big name media channels. And man, talk about uh, instant name recognition. She's the one of the most popular, famous people to ever hit Alaska. And I just think that, man, Nick's got his work cut out for him because that's tough to overcome. And he's done everything right. He hasn't literally has made no missteps. And she, she still comes out um, way ahead. So it's going to be an interesting thing that, to see what happens. Um, and uh, I think we have a lot of folks that are, um, you know, political experts that are kind of scratching their head thinking how this happened. And I think it's just a simple thing that people, everyday person that lives in the middle of the woods and McKiskey likes Sarah Palin. Well, you know, John, uh, I'd have to agree with you. I just had a, my campaign kickoff at my home. We had over 110 people there. It was a, we had a, a wedding on Friday, so the, the tent wasn't collected until today sometime. So we said, well, why not use the use what's there? And it was a wonderful sunny day, and, and people came, had ice cream and a la carte hot dogs from Annette Villa, and it was a great event. And uh, Nick Beggett showed up. And, I mean, that tells you how, how he's campaigning on the ground. <laughs> And so uh, Suzanne Downing was introducing me and she went ahead and uh, let Nick say a few words. But the thing is that uh, the, many of the people there, including the volunteer uh, coordinator for my campaign, Kathy Sturman, is very strong supporters and endorsed Sarah Palin. And uh, yeah. I'm gonna have a kickoff up on the 26th of June in Wasilla and maybe Sarah Palin will show up there and she'd be welcome. It's, a, it's exciting to have candidates who I've already collected 50% of the vote with Sarah Palin and Nick Begich and, and the Democrats are so far behind. It's really going to be interesting, as you say, to see which one comes out on top. Well, the momentum is certainly going in the direction of Republicans and uh, shows nationwide we're kind of in a Republican wave. But Sarah Palin's problem is that she's probably going to collect the most number one votes in August when we do this ranked choice voting. And people, you remember, you can vote for Nick and you can vote for Sarah Palin. You can vote for both of them. So you could, because you've got a ranked choice ballot, which is uh, the stupidest thing we've ever seen, but we're going to have to do it because that's what the uh, ballot measure two gave us. But you could, but she'll probably get the most number one votes, but she also has such high negatives that she'll also receive a lot of number four votes uh, from people. In other words, you, you, you're not, she's not going to be uh, an Al Gross number two of Al Gross voter is not going to rank Sarah Palin number two or even number three. They're going to rank her four or they just won't even fill in that bubble at all. So, uh, but, and then you look at people like uh, Mary Peltola voters, if she, if she advances. Will Mary Peltola's second place vote go to Sarah Palin? Highly unlikely because those voters are hardcore Democrats and she's like kryptonite to them. She doesn't, they don't, they just, they, they, they get triggered when they see Sarah Palin. So I, I think that we'll, we'll see that. We'll also see some vote collection by uh, either Al Gross will be collecting Mary Peltola's second votes and she'll maybe drop off and maybe he'll advance because maybe he'll have more money to advance. I don't know. Or the other way around, talk when you can ch chime in on that. And 
And then it's the same with Sarah Palin and Nick. They can trade votes back and forth. If they damage each other too badly, they might drive the vote to Al Gross. It could happen. Right. And uh, I think the surprise of the race, if Peltola can fend off Tara Sweeney for the fourth place, I think you'll see Peltola rising for the next month and a half until August 16th. And I think she'll she'll clip Al Gross and yeah. he'll be the fourth place candidate. And um, at Peltola, one of the things, whether you're on the left or on the right, that really matters to me and I think matters to people in some ways more than in previous elections, they want to know that they're being told the truth by the candidate. It's not just a campaign scam or flim flam. And Mary Peltola has a personality and an approach that's very straightforward and very honest. And she is very, very liberal, but she's a very nice person and an honest person. And I think that's going to, to come through during the next uh, bit of campaigning. And my prediction is she'll come in third in August. That is okay, everybody. So we're gonna just uh, write this down. Uh, Tuckerman Babcock thinks that Mary Peltola will come in third. So that is uh, in, in the rank choice scenario. And so that's interesting. Do you think that Nick Begich can overtake uh, Sarah Palin? Is there a path for him? Yes, as long as he stays in the, at least second place. He's only 10, 10% back from Sarah Palin. And based on the numbers that you provided from the Division of Elections, looking at what's left to be counted, I expect his percentage to go up one or two and, and uh, Sarah Palin's to go down one or two by the time they're all counted. So it's going to be actually relatively close. And the two of them, I'm sure, will both run a vigorous campaign. And uh, I think that as, as long as he stays in second or first place, when Al Gross's votes go away, his second place votes will go mostly to Peltola and Begich, in my, my assumption. And if Begich gets even closer then, and then third place goes away with Peltola, where do her votes go? A lot of them may say, we're just not voting for a Republican, we're done. Yeah. And then the threshold for 50% declines. This is one of the ridiculous things about ranked choice voting, which was touted as, oh, we always want to get a 50% winner. Well, if 20% of the people stop voting or get their vote thrown out, you're getting 50% of 80%. So you're going to get a 40% winner, which you would have had in the old system anyway. So it's just a waste of money. But as far as Begich or Palin, that's their path. Well, that is interesting. So to pivot for just a minute, I wanted to talk about your fundraiser that you had. It was an open house, actually, that you had yesterday. It was so successful out on the lawns of your home here in Soldatna. I was so uh, so pleased to be able to be there and to, to see all my friends here in Soldatna, who I, I have so many friends here, and, and just love being able to get together again. And because it's been a couple of years where I haven't seen some people and we, you know, we, we're tightened down a little bit more, but people are out and about having a good time. The weather was gorgeous. And it was great to see Representative Ben Carpenter there, Representative Ron Gillum, and both of them stepped up and said a few words. Uh, it was nice to have Ben Carpenter remember, remember that I met him first when you introduced me to him at the, I think, Suite 100 in Anchorage, right? We had That's dinner right. with him and he talked about running for office and we both came away so impressed with him. And he remembered that. And it was really fun that he remembered that as, as pleasantly as I do, because I just enjoyed the heck out of that dinner and, and getting to know this young uh, veteran from Nikiski who's growing peonies and, and such a patriot wants to serve his, his state. 
So that was fun. And then, of course, Chrissy Babcock putting the whole thing together and having a wonderful auction. And the, the hot dogs are great. Reindeer, reindeer hot dogs from a hot dog stand and a cooler full of drumstick ice cream. It's very Americana. Right. You did a great job on your speech. I know I'm, I was really happy to introduce you and remind people that you are, have been helping out the cause for every every step of the way for years and years and years from behind the scenes and, and never being in the limelight. Now you are running for Senate for the Kenai. And what is the new district letter that you, you're running for? D, A, B, C, D. D, okay. So we're going to have to remember that. Uh, so it used to be O, right? Was it right. O? And so right, used so to be far o. we've uh, secured the endorsements of the Kenai Republican Women's Club and the Republican Women of the Kenai and the District 7. Uh, endorsement for the Soldatna Kenai area. And so the endorsements are coming in and the campaign's exciting. We put up over 50 four by eight signs are all over the community and it's been great just campaigning and, and meeting people. And, you know, I'm a conservative and this is a conservative area and I think I'm a very good fit for our area. And I have no intention of making this a long, long career. I have 15 grandchildren that are pulling my attention, but I do think the state at a crossroads and stalemate and with my experience that crosses judicial background with the oil and gas conservation commission 10 years in business and working in the governor's office and legislators that being able to bring people together to make a decision whatever that decision may be and move forward without the animosity and the backstabbing and the bitter feuds that go on um, is something i'm looking forward to doing and serving my community well, that pleases the heck out of me. I just, I'm very excited to have you go to Juneau and provide some, some additional backbone in Juneau where we certainly do need some because that is a really tough swamp and it's, uh, it's hard for people to maintain their core beliefs, but I know you will because I have, I've been, we've been working together for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, such good friends. And it's been a pleasure to have you on our show today. So everybody, I want to uh, let you know that John will have the podcast on Wednesday. And I don't know who your guest is, John, but you'll you'll find somebody, right? I got uh, Senate President Peter Machicki. We're doing a, a year-end wrap uh, at his office. It's going to be ex- it's going to be exciting. Okay, That's very great. very good, very good. Uh, that, that'll be interesting. We'll tune into that on Wednesday. Uh, you'll you can find it here on Facebook or on, on any of our podcast channels. And John, our podcast channels include Google Play, Amazon Alexa, uh, Pandora, iTunes Podcast. What what else? Spotify, basically anywhere you could download any sort of music. There we are. You can't miss us. Just put in the little search bar, Must Read Alaska, and we'll pop right up. We'll pop right up. And we, I know we have at least, oh, I don't know, 1,500 downloads every uh, edition. We appreciate every single one of you for listening to us on this show. So until um, next week, if I'll see you here at, at the same time, same station. And I'm signing off from somewhere in Alaska. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.